Hey, it's C.S. Joseph with csjoseph.life doing another episode on social compatibility for the 16 Jungian psychology, depth psychology archetypes, according to Jung, even though I already said Jungian. And uh, today's type we're going to be looking at for season 12, episode 15, is the ISFP, also known as the artist. Uh, Temperament-wise, they are concrete. Uh, they focus on concrete things instead of abstract things. Uh, more about like the what is instead of the what if. The what if being the abstract. The what is being the concrete. For example, uh, they are artisans. They focus on living in the moment. Freedom-based creators. Freedom is everything to the ISFP. If you take their freedom away, they will turn into a giant rage monster, similar to the Hulk or, or the female version of the, the, the She-Hulk. So. Watch out for that. Although, whether or not they'll come out in like with a green color, uh, I mean, that's debatable. But you could probably see green in their eyes when that happens. I have no idea, nor is that relevant. But SPs, just be aware, sensing perceivers, freedom-based creators, live in the moment. They are known as the artisan type. They have that mechanical mastery, and they could help you or anyone uh, uh, with from the direction of art, being able to fix cars, uh, they just have, like, once they put their mind to something, it could be music even, uh, once they put their mind to something, uh, whatever it is, whatever they feel good about doing, whatever speaks to them, they will do it and they become absolutely masterful and able to produce amazing art as a result. I love ISFPs. They are, like, so cute and simultaneously they have amazing art. I mean, who doesn't? Uh, although they can kind of be selfish, that can be an issue, but we'll talk about that. Uh, there are also background types behind the scenes. Uh, so they are informative, responding, control. Control means they go at their own pace, they take their own time to do things. If there's chaos and they can't have progress in life because in the presence of chaos, they have to have chaos removed in order to feel good about certain aspects. <coughs> and then, um, you know, that can, that can be like an issue. Sorry, I'm a little like under the weather and I guess that's what happens to you when you go to Vegas and you've barely had any sleep ever since and your circadian rhythm is off and you're averaging like four to six hours a night and you're just like, ugh, right? So based on that, I am having a difficulty uh, with, you know, with sickness right now. But as soon as I get my immune system back as a result of sleeping more, I'm sure I'll be back just golden and fine, right? So uh, anyway, so yeah, informative, responding, control. Uh, they're informative. Uh, they don't say what they mean. They don't mean what they say all the time. This very it can be cryptic. There's context attached to what they're saying, and they're, they're always trying to inform people, and explain themselves, and give all the information to their audience, especially when they're art. They try to explain art, for example, or explain the the, the mechanical system, etc. It could be even a car. I have no idea. It could be a painting. I have no idea. It could be a bedroom experience. I have no idea but they try to explain it and provide all the information, if not too much information, and they will talk your face off if you let them. And that is what it means to be informative, right? And they are responding because they prefer people to come to them instead of initiating with others because they are introverted. Great, that's a nice little overview of the interaction style and the temperament of the ISFP. Let's delve into social compatibility. Remember, social compatibility is not the same as camaraderie. I would do this dis this disclaimer uh, every time I do one of these lectures. So why is that important? Because some people are like, well, I am an ISFP and I have great relationships with ESFPs. And it's like, yeah, sure, that's nice because you're kind of like sisters or you're kind of like brothers, you know, uh, spirit brothers or spirit sisters or the spirit animal thereof. It's because you're both SFPs. 
And because you may have the same interaction style with somebody, you may have the same temperament with somebody, you may have the same co uh, hero cognitive function as somebody, or the same parent cognitive function as somebody. If you have similar things like that in that regard that are not so complementary, which is what social compatibility is all about, it's all about being complementary with the cognitive functions instead of having the same cognitive functions. And that's what camaraderie is, right? So sometimes I have super high camaraderie, but they end up having low compatibility. And social compatibility is face-to-face -face relationships multiplied by shoulder-to-shoulder uh, -shoulder relationships and averaged together to create friendship-based compatibility. This is not romantic compatibility. Stop taking these lectures as romantic compatibility. It's not romantic. I will have a separate lecture series on romantic relationships. Trust me, it is coming. I will have that, and that will. I'll even. I'll even have a separate lecture series on sexual relationships as well, and how there are different areas of compatibility in that realm. This is for friendships, and the higher up the list you are in terms of compatibility with your cognitive functions, because they fit together like a puzzle piece, and some cognitive functions fit better than others, right? And you would know this if you watched the uh, or listened to my lecture series on cognitive synchronicity, which I recommend you do. And I also recommend you check out cognitive transition so you know how to move between the four sides of your mind and what triggers that with the gateway functions. And I also recommend you check out um, uh, the cognitive axis, right? I have a lecture on cognitive axis or axes, plural, right? Which explains how the cognitive functions interact with each other like little puzzle pieces. And that creates complementary compatibility. So again, friendship. So if you're listening to us on the podcast, I have the algorithm here up on the board, at least the output of the algorithm, and it basically states all of the 16 types in order. So I will now read off all of the compatibility with the ISFP according to all of the other 16 types so that those listening on the podcast get the benefit because I'm working with the whiteboard here. So we'll explain how that goes. So here we go. First and foremost, ISFPs are compatible with SJs first, then intuitive perceivers second, then SPs third, and then NJs fourth. Uh, just be aware of that. And then uh, then we'll, we'll go a little bit deeper because that's very high level. We're gonna go deeper. And then it's SFJs first, NTPs second, STJs third, NFPs fourth, ENFJs fifth, STPs sixth, NTJs seventh, SFPs eighth. And then now the entire list from top to bottom, from deep, meaningful friendship to shallow and acquaintancy and shoulder length uh, relationship, or uh, from a distance, we'll say, right? Uh, in order from top to bottom. And remember these lectures, when we do the deep dive into like the different compatibility, we do the top four and then we do the bottom four, basically, right? So top four, bottom four, yes, we'll get that figured out. So we're gonna be doing those, but here's the entire list. Starting with ESFJ is top compatibility with ISFP. That also includes romantic, by the way. That also includes shoulder to shoulder and face to face relationships. ISFJ is number two. It's also the same. So both SFJs are at the top, regardless of your compatibility, just so you know. But the rest of them are, are all negotiable. It's because it's kind of like a wheel system. And you have the two SFJs in the center of the wheel, basically, in, in this particular model with all the different algorithms we use, right? So ESFJ is top, ISFJ is second, ENTP is third, uh, that's me, and then INTP is fourth, ESTJ is fifth, ISTJ is sixth, ENFP is seventh, INFP is eighth, ENFJ is nine, uh, INFJ is 10, ESTP is 11, 
ISTP is 12, ENTJ is 13, 14 is INTJ, 15 is ESFP, and finally ISFPs because when you have an identity relationship, identity meaning you're identifying with somebody, you end up getting close to each other, no, you kind of end up competing with each other and then you end up holding each other accountable more often and it becomes an accountability relationship or a teaching relationship or a learning relationship more so than it is, oh, we're the best of friends because we're literally the same person. Yeah, no, that doesn't actually happen, people. That is not how it works, right? So just be aware of that, um, that distinction there. So because this is still an introverted lecture, we're going to be starting with least compatibility first, working our way up to highest compatibility. So with that in mind, we have two ISFPs in a friendship right now, and it is not looking good. Why is that? Because the cognitive functions are competing with each other, and they are trying to get into the shadow. Why? So let's, let's take a look at what that actually looks like. So we have the shadow split here, so you have the ego up here, and then you have the shadow, also known as the unconscious side of the mind, and every single one of the cognitive functions are trying to get into the shadow of the other person to find what they need because FE is always trying to consume FI because it's like a vampire. It absorbs the feeling and it gets its teeth into the feeler and is able to absorb the feeler, uh, the feelings of the feeler, of the introverted feeler, basically absorb those morals so that they can behave ethically within, right? So that FE is like, well, I'm worried that you're not a good person. Well, I'm worried you're not a good person. And well, I don't think that you're going to be loyal to me. Well, I don't think I'll be loyal to you either. And I never know what you want. You only care about what you want. And it's like, well, I never know what you want and I only care about what I want, so why do we care about that? How about we just do what I want? No, I wanna do what I want. No, I wanna do what I want. And it just becomes like this like crazy thing. You know, your belief system is not really working, you know, and it's like, I think you, you have demonic beliefs. Well, I think you have demonic beliefs, you know. What you believe is never true. Well, what you believe is never true. Well, prove it, cite your sources. Well, I can't, because I don't verify. Well, I don't verify either, so who's right? I don't know, we'll have to ask somebody else. And it's just like, oh, guys, please stop. Just realize that you're just not ideal for each other. It's good to maybe compare yourselves to one another, maybe. No, I don't recommend that either. That's not healthy. Don't compare yourself to other people. The point is, these two, they just stress each other out. Look at this. There's huge amounts of interference here. The amount of functions that have to cross, you know, as they're trying to tune into these different spectra. Because remember, these are all eight cognitive spectra. And they're trying to get into the station or the channel they're trying to tune into. And there's a lot of interference from the other functions here because the traffic is high, right? And it's also a longer distance they have to travel. So you have interference and traffic and you have shortest distance between two points as a straight line. When it comes to social compatibility, this can be a problem. Be aware of this. This is not very compatible. So then we have the ISFP and the ESFP, which is super high camaraderie because they're both SFPs and they can actually learn from each other and improve each other as a result of learning from each other and seeing what one does really well here and what the other does really well here. And that's great, camaraderie is awesome. Is this a relationship I would wanna build a friendship upon? No. Because the ESFP is like, wow, you're like the laziest person I've ever met. And the ISFP was like, well, you're one to talk, you know? And it's like, you just do whatever you want all the time. And the ESFP is like, yeah, I always do whatever I want all the time. Although for some reason, these functions are not in the correct order. And where is my eraser thing? Eh, I don't care, I'll just use my finger. These are not in the right order and I will fix them right now. Oh, okay.
So then we have uh, this one here. This is Extrovert Intuition Demon. There we go. And then we have TI Trickster for the ESFP. Much better. So, uh, you know, and the ESFP exists to destroy the future of the the ISFP because any demon is attacking the NI child, and that's great. Ooh, a demon that's going to eat up the child. That's healthy in a relationship, you know, or uh, or the same thing here. The child is trying to eat this demon. That's really going to work out, you know, because TI truth, you know, but ISFPs are all about their belief systems in the same way that ESFPs are all about what they believe, and both of them are not interested in verifying the truth, so instead it just becomes a giant slap fight between the two of them, okay, as my beliefs are better, and I could cite better sources than you can, and they end up actually comparing intelligence, like comparing dicks with each other, and it's really weird, especially to see SPs do this, and over time they can grow apart. Great for accountability, great for self-improvement by looking at someone else's successes and failures, but otherwise, not a sustainable relationship because they're both so focused on how they feel that they do not go out of each other's way to make the other person feel better. They're so focused on what they personally want themselves without allowing the other person to have freedom. And while this trying, while the ISFP is trying to have all the freedom in the world, the ESFP is not allowing the ISFP to have any freedom in certain things. And the uh, ISFP can feel oppressed by the ESFP. And conversely, the same thing can happen with the ESFP. The ESFP can feel uh, oppressed as the ISFP ENTJ or ENFJ or ESFJ shadow is trying to, um, you know, control the social life of the ESFP, etc. And it can absolutely turn into a nightmare. And again, shortest distance between two points is a straight line. And there's a lot of interference with the cognitive functions as they are trying to get into the shadow because their available cognition they're trying to get to these functions is not available in the ego. And that could be a problem, right? So then we have the ISFP and the INTJ. NJs or NTJs and SFPs, they don't mix. And why is that? Well, because the INTJ is completely unaware of how the ISFP feels and the ISFP is all about how they feel. They're all about their moral principles, but the INTJ is completely unaware of how the ISFP feels. The INTJ is doomed in making the mistake of always consistently making the ISFP feel bad and the ISFP doesn't like it, so they end up growing apart and not really interested in having a relationship. Or the INTJ, SE Inferior, is trying to get loyalty out of the ISFP, but consistently sees the ISFP like a little kid trying to do whatever it wants. So then the INTJ's paranoia kicks in, and it's like, wow, you're just doing whatever you want, you know, and I'm really paranoid about what you're saying, so uh, I can't trust you anymore. And then the INTJ door slams the ISFP because the because from the point of the view of the INTJ, the ISFP is behaving untrustworthy and is not loyal to the INTJ, when in reality, that's not actually what's happening. The ISFP is just trying to be free, right? And that can continue to be an issue. I do not recommend this relationship whatsoever. Similarly, the ISFP ENTJ relationship, which actually one of my really close I, uh, I, ENTJ friends had an ISFP uh, childhood friend, and they aren't friends, but they criticize each other big time, all the time. The ENTJ is constantly telling me about how his ISFP friend is the laziest person he's ever met, and the ISFP person is constantly telling me how controlling the ENTJ friend is on a regular basis, and how that can be an issue too. And and it's like, you don't give me enough freedom. You're not loyal to me. You know, you never let me do whatever I want. Well, it's because what I want to do is responsible. And you're irresponsible and childish with what you want. So why would I ever, ever allow you, Mr. ISFP, to do whatever you want? 
Well, you always think less of me. Well, you always think less of everyone, so why should I think highly of you anyway? I mean, isn't that hypocritical of you, Mr. ISFP? Well, that's not fair because, you know, I'm trying to give you a good experience. I'm like, well, how the hell should I tell that you're giving a good experience? I have SI Trickster, which means I'm not aware of the experience you're trying to give me. So basically, what you're saying, ISFPs, to the ENTJs, it's falling on deaf ears, right? So again, why would anyone want to have this relationship? And look at this. Shortest distance between two points is a straight line. Not as much interference as this area, but the distance that the functions have to travel to get what they're looking for is even further. So again, mechanically speaking, psychologically speaking, this relationship is not sustainable and definitely not one I would recommend. So please stay away from ISFP plus ENTJ in a very close, meaningful, deep relationship. At best, it is very shallow, it is very acquaintancy, and used for criticism and uh, personal growth, kind of. And more of looking at the other person's uh, failures and successes and measuring them up. Because again, these two types are like the ENTJ is like, I could be a better ISFP than you can. And then the ISFPs look at the ENTJ and it's like, well, I could be a better ENTJ executive type person than you can. I can run a company better than you can. And the ENTJ is like, well, I can produce better art than you can. And it's just like, guys, stop. But that's what, today, that's what happens when you put those two together. So I don't recommend it, okay? So let's talk about the top four most compatible uh, relationships for the ISFP according to social compatibility, aka friendship compatibility, okay? Let's take a look. At the very top, we have the ISFP plus the ESFJ. Super dope relationship for the ISFP. It is literally nirvana. Like, I'm not even kidding me. Like, I've actually had an ISFP tell me that their relationship with their ESFJ woman is definitely nirvana. Just saying. Uh, and actually, I had the pleasure of uh, sitting in a plane with an ESFJ woman who was married to an ISFP, and she was telling me about how, you know, he, he's always at home and handles the farm and likes to be outside, and uh, she didn't really want to be in a relationship with any man that couldn't build his own house, and he built our house for us, and it just makes me so great, and he allows me to have a job even out of state, and I'm a nurse, and I get to fly all around the country and, and help people as a nurse while he's content to stay at home and I can always come home, even fly home on weekends and he'll be there and he just gets so focused on what he's done and I don't feel pressured by him and he's so free and I just let him be free as much as possible and our relationship just works out and I'm always so focused on making him feel good and he feels so good about me and he's always giving me a good experience and making these amazing things for me and lots of art and our home is so artistic and uh, I always know what he wants. He tells me what he wants. And, uh, you know, and I always get to say what I think. And he always listens to me. He's the best person. He's the one man in my life who's always listened to me no matter what. And it's like, yeah, I totally get where you're going with this. Yes, of course, the ISFP would say that this is like literally nirvana. You know, I mean, it makes sense. Why is that? Well, the ISFP knows how they feel. And the ESFJ knows how the ISFP feels and actually seeks to make the ISFP feel better and feel better about themselves and to value themselves even more. And of course, that's what they like. You know, and of course, then you have the ISFJ. They know the experience that they're receiving from others. They know the sensations they want to get. And the ISFP is responsibly trying to meet that need and give the absolute best sensation, the best experience to the ESFJ, to their ESFJ friend. And they're all about that. And it's absolutely fantastic. And then... The ISFP always knows what they want, and the ESFJ is always trying to find out how they can give the ISFP what they want. And then, you know, when they're hanging out sometimes, and the ISFP is walking through the hardware store, and it's like, hey, you know what? I really want that, but I can't afford that right now. Damn, that sucks, you know? But the ESFJ that was with them would remember. 
they'd remember. And then all of a sudden, it's like four months later, it's the ISFP's birthday, and the ESFJ got that for their birthday, and the ISFP just lights up, and it's like, wow, how did you remember this? How did you know that this is what I, I had completely forgotten about this? It's because the ESFJ does not forget. The ESFJ is so loyal to the ISFP because SI parent is so loyal to SE parent that they get together and the ESFJ just remembers everything. Because remember, the ISFP lives in the moment and all the new information is pushing out all the old information out of their head, whereas the ESFJ is remembering everything long-term. It, it takes away their ability to affect the physical environment with their mechanical skills, but they remember everything. And because they remember everything, they basically memorize everything that is important to the ISFP. And that's why they're able to give gifts like that in that birthday scenario because they remember and they keep track and they literally keep track of everything for the sake of their ISFP because they're also trying to protect their ISFP as well. And the ISFP absolutely loves it. And they get to do whatever they want. They have full freedom. The ESFJ knows what they think. The ISFP is always trying to figure out what the ESFJ is thinking, always listens to the ESFJ, always gives the ESFJ their day in court, and the ISFP is content to do it, and they have a fantastic relationship. The ISFP feels like the ESFJ is increasing their status, while the ESFJ feels that the ISFP is making them smarter, right? And it helps organize and whatnot. And then the ESFJ is worried that they're not good enough, that they're not deserving enough, and the ISFP is worried that the ESFJ doesn't feel deserving enough so that the ISFP does things and makes art and does these good things for the ESFJ to make the ESFJ feel worthy, to feel deserving, to feel that they matter, to thank them and give them uh, recognition and appreciation for their contributions. Absolutely awesome. So there's no conflict there. And then the ISFP is uh, very stringent on their personal standards, personal principles, and the experience that they're having. And they're very critical towards their long-term memory with what they remember. And the ESFJ is super critical towards the ISFP with that. And then, you know, because of that, it's like no conflict because the ISFP is like, well, I'm already critical about the experience I'm having or what I remember or my loyalty. And the ESFJ is like, well, I'm super loyal to you, so you better be super loyal to me. And the ISFP is, guess what? I already am super loyal to you based in that regard. And that way they, they can maintain a committed relationship, a committed friendship, basically. The ESFJ does not ever know what they want. They are so confused with what they want, but luckily the ISFP is also super confused with what other people want. So again, no conflict. And then the ESFJ uh, is not aware of what the ISFP is thinking because they have the only certain amount of mental capacity to be aware of what they know and manage what they know. But luckily, the ISFP doesn't really give a damn about what they think anyway. So again, there's no conflict. This is a fantastic relationship and definitely one that I recommend for ISFPs. These two can really get together and really just change the song and dance of their own personal little world that they have sequestered for themselves. It's like they're in this little island, their own little private island mentally with each other. And they could just literally take on any obstacle that life throws them in that direction with absolute perfect synergy. It is fantastic a relationship. Then we have the ISFP plus the ISFJ, which is super similar to the ESFJ relationship. Insanely similar, actually almost identical. The difference is, is that the functions are going down one level or up one level to get what they need. So you have FE parent who's getting like the huge FI hero principles, you know, and, and feelings. And then the SE parent is getting the huge 
SI hero of, yeah, give it to me, give me that sensation, you know, sock it to me, baby, you know what I mean? And it's that kind of, uh, wow, that was like totally from like the late 70s, early 80s, right? I mean, I kind of remember that from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, movie, which, by the way, if you've never seen that, like, how are you alive and not seeing the original Ninja Turtles movie? Like, it was not bad. Anyway, uh, so, um, although Turtles 2 was bad, but Turtles 1, okay. Uh, so anyway, uh, there's built-in humility here because the hero is very heroic, is flying around saving the world, but the, but it's not above listening to what the parent says because the, the responsible parent, the parent function, exists to protect the child function. And the parent tells the hero, hey, you're flying around saving the world, one up. There's collateral damage when you save the world. You're going to harm the children. And then the hero stops, listens to what the parent is saying, and then flies down to the parent's level and is really like, yes, you're right, you know? And, that, and there's built-in humility and built-in respect for those functions because the, the other person looks at the other person as, wow, you're so strong in that area for me. You're my hero. And the other person's like, wow, you're so strong in that area. You're my hero. And they just, they hold each other in that regard and they, they, and they can learn from each other and really develop each other. And again, super similar to the ESFJ, ISFP relationship and just as effective. It is absolutely fantastic. I recommend this relationship as well. Next, we have the ISFP ENTP. That's me. You know what I mean. And uh, in this uh, in this relationship, it can work. My FE child walks into the FI hero, and I'm consistently trying to give balloons and candy to the FI hero and make the FI hero feel good. Even though sometimes the hero is like, "Ah, oh, you're just a little kid, but I love you anyway. I like having you around." You know, as I'm hugging the leg of the the, the FI hero, etc. And uh, you know, and the FI hero loves it. And then like a little kid, they're always aware of what they want. So any hero is aware of what they want and trying to let them have the freedom to do whatever they want. And they're trying to give me a good experience with their art and show me all their amazing art, which I'm just blown away by their amazing art, especially with my ISFJ subconscious, the ENTP, who loves receiving the art of the ISFP. And the ISFP always gives me my day in court and allows me to listen to them and listen to their personal, uh, their, what, what their beliefs and their, and their principles, etc. And I'm always able to criticize potentially without necessarily hurting them, saying what I think and they listen to what I think, which is fantastic. Uh, this relationship is great because it's really about building and developing the inferior functions, both types. Like, SE parent can t teach me mechanical mastery as the ENTP, and then as a result, I can learn how to put a hammer to a nail or fix a car, uh, which has been great. SE users have even taught me how to uh, change the oil in my car, for example, because my uncle told me, you know, who is an INFJ. Yeah, if you have a penis and you're in this family, you don't know how to change the oil, you're just going to have to, like, not be in the family anymore. So get your ass out in the shop. I'm like, okay. And I learned, and it was fantastic. Uh, he was just so taken aback that I didn't know how to change my oil. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and all of the all of the cognition that the functions are looking for stays within the ego versus the shadow, you know. And again, it's the same thing on the bottom, you know. I'm not aware of how I feel, but they're not really necessarily concerned with how I feel so much because they know how they feel, and uh, they're not really worried about it. And I'm worried about my future all the time. They're not trying to change my future and what I want because they're just not aware of what I want. So because of that, I that's not really much of a conflict either. And uh, they're, they're very critical towards the experience that they have, but I don't need to make it any worse for them because my demon is just like, eh, I don't care, you know? So it's not a problem. And I'm not trying to change their thinking because their TI demon is like, I don't care about what I think anyway. And my TE critic's like, eh, I don't have to worry about your thinking because you're not gonna do anything wrong anyway, so why bother, right? So at this point, this is a really good relationship and is very good for uh, um, personal growth because the parent functions are growing the inferior functions and they can really have good synergy with each other 
and they can have reach even higher heights of um, aspiration with their subconscious. The, this relationship, this friendship really helps develop the subconscious of the other because the ISFP uh, sub, uh, subconscious is the ENTJ and the ENTJ meshes really well with the ENTP subconscious which is the ISFJ which is basically this relationship up here, ISFP plus ISFJ. The fourth uh, highest compatibility according to social compatibility to friendship compatibility is the ISFP, ISFP plus the INTP and it is very same similar to the uh, ENTP relationship, very very similar and because of that uh, you have the inferior function uh, and the hero instead of the inferior function of the parent. This is also very um, uh, aspirational kind of relationship. It's just this relationship requires a lot more maturity. Why is that? That's because the hero function's weight can be so big and it could be overwhelming to the inferior function. And when you mess with the inferior function too much, it could develop bitterness, hatred, resentment, and actually cause the relationship to split apart. But if both uh, parties of this friendship are aware of each other and used to each other and maybe have grown or developed with each other and they have a high level of maturity and are somewhat equally yoked, then they actually treat each other's uh, inferior functions with respect. And as a result, the FE um, uh, inferior no longer has social anxiety and the FI hero is able to bring this, the get rid of that social anxiety and burn it away out of the INTV so the INTV can have better social relationships. <coughs> the INTP Conversely, can make the ISFP a lot more intelligent with their TE inferior. But again, it's hard because sometimes the TI hero is criticizing ISFPs for being dumb, basically, and ISFPs feel bad, and they don't want to have a relationship or a friendship with that person. But if the SI child is developed with the ITP, they can be very, very patient and be patient with the ISFP, and the ISFP will end up growing as a result of that patience. So both these types need to have mercy and grace upon each other and have patience. And as a result of having that additional nurtural support through maturity and patience and grace and mercy, they are able to have a fantastic relationship. One that I would definitely recommend is top four for social compatibility for the ISFP. So anyway, that concludes this episode, uh, season 12, episode 15. Uh, if you uh, like what you saw here, if you found this uh, lecture educational, insightful, useful, enlightening, please subscribe to the channel here on YouTube and also on the podcast and leave a like while you're at it. And uh, if you have any comments or questions about ISFPs or any of these compatibilities, please leave it in the comment section and I'll do my best to answer uh, the, your questions. Also, I just had a Q&A session, which is out and available now. It's a live stream. I'm doing it once or twice a month at this point, probably doing once a month, but then we'll be doing twice a month thereafter, and it, they're pretty fun. Uh, if you want to be able to submit your questions for the Q&A session, please join us on Discord and Discord, uh, the Discord link to get on our Discord server, discordapp.com, is available in the description of this uh, lecture. And also, if you are in the Bay Area and you want to join our Bay Area meetup, the link is also in the description as well because I'll be hosting meetups twice a month in the Bay Area for in-person uh, lectures, monologues, or even just regular discussions. You know, it doesn't have to be about me all the time. I actually really am more interested in hearing what you all have to say and what you all have to offer and what your perspective is on human nature and human nurture, human environment, human spirituality, psychology, philosophy, politics, all of it. I don't care. All of those subjects are relevant and I want to hear about it from you. So if you're in the Bay Area or you have the opportunity to come visit us in the Bay Area, please join the meetup group. We'll definitely get events posted very soon and then we'll be able to hang out with each other uh, whenever those events are available. So anyway, with all that being said, I got many more to do. So 
I'll see you guys tonight.